we go into the caves and the college football gods they put up these horrible fumes that we inhale and they're toxic to us and they make us just trip out and then we do like a sexy wispy dance and then someone has to interpret our augury and then we come out with these you know that's what samantha and anna's role in this is to watch us do a veil dance and be like yep uh georgia 24 with uh a fumble and south carolina 10 with two interceptions Welcome to Chapel Bell Curve, a stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Nathan. And I'm Justin. And today we're going to go back and look at the week that was uh, as we attend, did the 75th annual, or whatever the number is, um, chicken fry at Sanford Stadium. So let's get right into it on our normal normal first uh, segment, which is to talk about our experiences. Do you want to take this here? Sure. I'll, I'll kind of talk about my day. This is the normal... Saturday goes for me. I was at the brewery because all of the crazies from Columbia, South Carolina decided to come to Athens and set fire to the town and leave it just as, you know, an uncle does with their nephew, um, <laughs> feeds them tons of sugar and releases them back to their parents. It's like a, yeah, they're the fun uncle, but it's yeah, exactly. not actually that fun. No, it wasn't. But uh, <laughs> no, I had a lot of really fun. Uh, I got fun stories that I can tell you off air sometime about all the things I got to see and the craziness that was. But it was a it was a really good time. I watched the game at the brewery. Um, I realized that having looked at all these stats as closely as we have this entire year, that our our powers are growing. Like our terrible mutant powers. Like the X Men are not going to let us onto the team, but we sure can like predict maybe like some sort of championship and maybe win some money. Who knows? Yeah, we're we're uh, starting <laughs> we're starting to get pretty good at this whole prediction thing. We got we got some very specific things done well here, like the the fumble thing, and just the fact that it's close. You know, mm-hmm. in general, I mean, I, I thought so that we was did, very exciting. I thought we did pretty well. Um, I remember I sat down for the game. I finally got it fixed and set up. We we usually play the um, the game outside underneath the tent at the brewery. For those of you that have been to Creature Comforts, we played outside. Uh, but it took us forever to get the internet situated because there were so many people inside that our internet was just so overloaded. And we were having trouble getting it outside, which I've never actually had an issue with before. Oh, gosh. So eventually got it set up. We also simultaneously we were having the Greg Allman estate. Like this is like the Allman Brothers weekend, apparently. You have some stuff I know as yeah, well. Yeah, I've got other things to talk about too. But we had uh, it, one of the managers of the, the Greg Allman estate was there at the brewery just doing uh, a listening party of one of his last albums before he passed. And that was really cool. Um but we were having that going on, and so that was taking up internet, and there were so many different things, so it was a big mess. But I remember sitting down and f- sitting down to the kickoff, uh, which was, for all of you that have seen the game now, an onside kickoff, just the ballsiest thing I've seen us do all year. Yeah, our, it was. Our initial kickoff was like, you know what? That's fine. And they didn't score, so it was fine. Well, you can't get, you can't get Roddy. The fact that it, you know, you can't get results-oriented. The fact that it didn't work doesn't mean that it wasn't a good idea. Those two things aren't necessarily connected. Yeah, exactly. It was just really, it was very ballsy. It was really my, my only takeaway from that situation, um, which was cool. But I, I know that, like, in my mind, that makes sense to do in a game that doesn't matter so much and a game you feel very confident going into. So you can have those those players see what it what it's like to actually perform an onside kick in a game time situation. And so that's that's why it made sense to me. Yeah. And, and and if they saw something, you know, they're gonna do it. And I liked I liked Kirby's message after afterwards, which was basically just like, 
you know, we want to be the hunter and not the hunted. So yeah. we're going to take some risks. And that's the right kind of thinking. I mean, you can see where getting ahead and then sitting on your laurels got Auburn, the team we're about to play. Mm-hmm. Not It's very true. Not very far against Tennessee. Or not Tennessee, LSU is who they lost to. Yeah. But I've also decided that um, with all of these games, I've watched every game on the TV. I haven't gone to a game yet this season. It's kind of upsetting. And TV is starting to lose its appeal for me at this point, uh, especially since we've kind of been previewing every episode. Well, you know what the I way think? we've been doing. What's yeah, that? I think you're uh, you're like Neo in the Matrix. You can see the flaws in the code now. <laughs> You've like ascended. It's true. I need to go see the game, but we are going. We're not going to be able to go to the Auburn game, but um, we're going to go to the Kentucky game, which is at home in a couple weeks. So that'll be well, very that's exciting. awesome. That's yeah. really awesome. So we'll see you then. Yeah, I'll be there. And the only other experience I remember that the, the other part that really stuck out to me was um, the Ohio State score. Nearing yeah. the end of our game, it was Good coming Jesus. out that, yeah, for real. That one and also the Oklahoma game, like they were going into halftime at like forty two, forty two or something ridiculous, and then Ohio State just got completely like bum rushed by Iowa, and Iowa's a good team though, so it wasn't really like they were a better team than the South Carolina that we played this weekend. Yeah, for uh, sure, for sure, per S and P plus ranking, but still moments like that they help us to remember that you know anything can happen, anything can happen at all. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, I think it was pretty clear that Ohio State just came in and was not ready. So I'm glad that we played a worse opponent, but still came in and were at least ready enough to win. Yeah. So tell me about your experience. Um, yeah, so it was very it was a very fun weekend, actually, just pretty much from Thursday or Friday on. Like you were saying, it was Alban Brothers Week. We're, okay, so there was a weirdly, it was a weird portrayal. Everyone was saying, like, we're doing a tribute to the Almond Brothers this week, which was true. But the Almond Brothers show is just our third show for Redcoats. So we're also, <laughs> I mean, we're also going to play it at Georgia Tech and at Auburn. We won't be playing it again. Uh, at Kentucky, we're going to play the Military Appreciation Show like we always do. But we'll also probably play, we'll play Almond Brothers in uh, the SEC Championship and whatever else we do after, in postseason. So... Um, it was not like this weekend was in particular, this was just the debut of that show, but it was still quite a bit of pressure. The, um, former longtime manager of the, um, of Greg Allman was there at practice to watch us play. So that was, you know, really fun to see him, but then also just fun. They always play better. The Redcoats play and any band really will play better if there's a little bit of pressure and you have something on the line, yeah. uh, in terms of your reputation or you got another band there. So South Carolina's band was there. And that always makes, when there's another band in the stadium, the Redcoats always play better. Actually, really any band does. Um, just because you get a little bit more, I mean, it, you know, it's not a competition, but you do not want to get embarrassed. So <laughs> there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of a push there. But then uh, I was very happy on Friday. Uh, we got a, we got a tweet from Jawabi Films from, well, no, actually I think it was from the Wait and Since Last Saturday Twitter account asking for my number and I DM'd it to him and uh, Scott called me because Scott actually got Scott Duvall got hired to do some B-roll and to tape the Redcoat show on Saturday and was going to go to the Redcoat practice on Friday to get some B-roll of us practicing on that show. And so he called me and just got some uh, background info or whatever. And it was just really awesome to see him. Like uh, he came to practice and we got a selfie together there on Instagram. And um, it was really nice to meet him. He is just as genuine and nice as you think that he would be digitally in real life. You know. Scott is really awesome. I've had the chance to work with him on past podcasts, and um, through him and listening to his show, I've kind of learned how to edit our podcast, which has been really great. And he's offered right. a lot of really awesome uh, tips and tricks and advice. He's and guidance, kind of so. like the he's this podcast's grandfather, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. 
Pa- Papa Scott. Um, <laughs> so let's see. Um, I'm trying to kind of go in chronological order of my weekend. So let me. So pre-game, we go. One really interesting thing that well, I, I won't say really, but one kind of weird thing was the way the Redcoat schedule works is they chant in, and then we're in the we're in the stadium. Not we're not the first people in the stadium, but we're some of the first people in the stands in the stadium. So we come in, everybody gets up in their seat in the stands, and then we go back down under the stadium there in the north end zone, I guess, um, where the locker room is, and we get we feed the kids, and then they eat. So uh, usually the staff sits under there, and after we feed everybody, we gotta pass food out to like 400 people, and we just eat there. And I, I'm standing there eating. Actually, I was sitting, but I'm sitting there eating, and I see a guy walk by, and. I'm like, is that Will Muschamp? And it was. It was Will Muschamp. And it was just hanging out. Yeah, well, it wasn't even hanging out. Dude was just pacing. He oh, just yeah, he that was makes like wa- walking in circles. So I've seen assistant coaches and staffers and GAs and all and obviously players up under the um under the stadium, but I've never seen a head coach pace. He walked up like out to just under where the recruit stands are in the uh in the north end zone and looked out onto the field and then he turned back around and walked back in and then we sat down to eat again and all of a sudden the guys i'm talking to was just like don't talk about football for like five minutes and we were like okay and we just started stopped we just kept talking kept talking and then like 30 seconds later he was like uh okay he's gone and i was like what who and he's like yeah will muschamp was just kind of standing there five feet from us and i was like (laughs) will muschamp just just creeping up on us here man it's a little scary um so that was really fun um and actually since i'm gonna go chronologically i actually got a question since i do a work with the battle him soloist i got a question about the battle him solo uh via email this uh week and i thought i'd answer it at this point just because that's where we are so from jeff malmquist who says long time listener first time caller ha 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 i've always wanted to say that so there you go, buddy. Now it's on air. There it is. Uh, can you answer a question to settle a bet? My buddy Gene that sits next to me, also a listener, said that the lone trumpeters piped in and pre-recorded. I Ooh. said no way, and it's definitely done live. So what's the answer? Don't answer if it's giving away secrets, but if you can, definitely answer on air. But only if I'm right. Um, well, you are right, Jeff. Uh, it's the Battle Hymn Soloist, or Lone Trumpeter, or whatever you want to call him, is that is a live recording. So or not recording that is a live, live performance that is him performing it live so what i do part of the reason i had to walk up there with him is because i walk up beforehand with the battle him soloist and we um go to we get uh hooked up with the guy who's from athletics who works in state like the properties management or whatever and he hooks up the they're actually two they're not they're kind of like lapel mics but they're just like little condenser mics that hook up to the front of the trumpet so it is a lot it is a live performance always and always has been we do have an emergency if there was something with the mics they would never cut a performance if it was just bad or whatever which anyone who gets to that level where they are playing battle him solo it's not going to be bad so that's not really a concern but um the only way that it would ever be pre-recorded is if there was a problem with the mic but to this time since it has started being mic'd it there has never been a problem Every time you've heard the Battle Him Solo played at a game, it has been a live performance to this point since it has been mic'd. And before then, there was no other option other than to have it live. So it is a very, very high stress situation for these kids. And, you know, a lot of them, they wanted to be Battle Him Soloist from when they were 11. They started playing trumpet to be Battle Him Soloist. And they get out there and they audition in front of a blind audition, including people from staff and people from Redcoat Leadership and then people from you know, the trumpet professor to school of music faculty to all sorts of people. And it's an an incredibly intense experience. So by the time they get to where they're playing the first time, they're nervous, but they're all so good that it's really, 
that's why you get such a high quality of product because you know these kids have been dreaming about it for years and it's really it's really an honor actually to work with them i I imagine i was i was going to say um you just said that a lot of kids that played trumpet when they were younger uh always wanted to be a, a battle hymn soloist and i was also one of those kids i played trumpet for 12 years and uh never went to uga so i never got the chance to actually be a battle hymn soloist um, nor did I follow marching band into high school or college. I right. played sports instead, <laughs> but missed opportunities. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's, so that, that answers your question, Jeff, I hope I, I will say, um, if you want kind of the authentic battle hymn soloist, um, experience, go to the Tate bridge about an hour before the dog walk so the dog walks an hour and a half before kick and then go to the tape bridge about an hour before that it'll be like right around when the drum show starts and you'll see the battle himself will get up there and play the battle himself three or four times and that's actually them doing the mic check so that's when they go up there and they get set you know where they're going to be and look at what the mic looks like and blah blah blah, blah. um and so that that is like uh, to this point, at this point in the season, no one will be doing it for their first time, I don't think. But if you go there early in the season, you'll see some people really like uh, test their nerves because that's the first time they get up there and do it. Actually, at the stadium is an hour and a half before they have to actually do it. Um, okay, so I only got one other thing. Man, we really went long on this object. Our uh, our experiences. So whoops. Yeah, whatever. So the the only other thing I wanted to mention, and I and I'm really sure that this did not come across via the TV. But there was an assistant coach on on South Carolina's team, and I don't want to look up who it is because I don't want to have to interact with this person in any meaningful way, but he was this <laughs> bald guy, and I don't know why, but his demeanor incensed me from the get-go. He was just, he's just one of these like dudes who's on the sideline to pump people up, but he was just so over the top, and then I saw him... When they drove for their first touchdown, there was a play on the away side to the north stands where um, Dominic Sanders ran a guy out of bounds. And I actually think it was the it was a running back that ran out of bounds. And he stopped. The coach stopped and said something to Dominic Sanders. And Dominic Sanders said something back. And I just, I don't know why, I just lost it. <laughs> I, I, I have not, like, had a total rage whiteout at a football game since, like, 2011. Uh, but that was the time where I was just like... I might actually die. Like I might actually kill. I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I might actually like go down there and fight this guy. And I'm not even sure why it was. He was just so over the top. It was so much fake juice. It was so much just like every little thing that happened. He got up and celebrated. He had his, he had four fingers up at the fourth, at the beginning of the fourth quarter through the 10 minute break for commercials. It was just crap like that, where it was just like, this is infuriating. And as you fully experienced, on uh on our group chat i did not react well to it at no all. you did not even even in the slightest did i react well not react well to it it was you were really, kind of losing your mind and it was a good time <laughs> yeah it was one of, it was one of the first times since i was an undergrad where i just really had no control over my mouth well no actually i did i didn't want to get fired so I, I controlled my mouth i had no control over what i typed uh while you were ranting about all that i actually just looked him up and i know who it is i think who is it <laughs> send me a picture uh, i just sent you a picture oh my god is that him? <laughs> yes, Director of Strength and Conditioning, Jeff Dillman. Listen up, Jeff. You need to tone it down about 25 notches. Jesus. Good God. So he worked at... I'm just trying... Let me make sure he didn't work... I know he didn't work at UGA. No, no he, he didn't. Did I don't think he did either. Okay, good, good, good. That was really funny. Thank God. you. Thank you for that. Son of a... God, now they I'm also just... have a guy named Shaq Wilson. I like that name. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a UJA alum. All right, let's move into some stats. Yeah, let's do some stats. We, we we're we're too soft right now. Let's get into some of those. Let's get into some of those cold equations that we love. Um, so what is what what are what are the stats that you want to come up with? Do we have anything that we want to talk about from the opponent's perspective first? I guess. Yeah, sure. We can talk about that. We can talk about how um, they were they were meant to be a more explosive team than they came out. Uh, and I, I think we both understand why they weren't, and it's because we kept them from being explosive for most of the day. Um, they pretty much were just held to really small numbers the whole game. Like, for instance, they only had um, 56 plays. They had less than 300 total yards, um, only three scoring opportunities the entire day. So um, all three of the opportunities they had to score, they scored on. Or Wait, no, um, two of the three, excuse me, they had because they scored, they finished with 10. And their average field position was deep, deep, deep. Thank you, uh, Cameron, based Nislik all day yeah. long. Based God, um, Cameron Nislik. Yeah. Um, I forgot to even say, like, that. there was that one play later in the game where we, we just kind of screwed up. Do you remember that part where we were supposed to – we should have had a safety and – Yeah, we, we had him wrapped up in the yeah. end zone and he uh, – I called him Brantley all through the preview, which is a, a mm-hmm. former for, uh, Florida quarterback. But you meant Jake Bentley. I meant Bentley. Yeah, where we had Bentley. I think it was um, Marshall that had him wrapped up, but then he uh-huh. got out and threw it for um, like another 25 yards to, of course, Hayden effing Hor- uh, Hurst again. I feel like that guy, Hayden Hurst is just the, the last. I, saw, I said this in my initial thoughts. There's just been a long light in, a long um line of sneaky explosive tight ends especially white tight ends uh from other sec schools that have just bedeviled us especially h-backs um but he's just a straight up tight end and he i mean he went he had seven catches for 93 yards and 13.3 yards per catch so that's pretty impressive yeah it's pretty good especially for a tight end that means he's getting away every single time yeah i mean we we could not he got us going he got us pretty good on a wheel route he got us on several seam routes that that broken play he was just kind of standing in the middle of the field yeah he was wide open and yeah. we were too busy trying to tackle what's his face, Bentley. Bentley. I almost yeah. said Brantley. I, I said know, what's I his know. face Once because I hear couldn't it, remember. <laughs> Once you hear it, it's like, yeah, you can't unhear it. Anyway, um, yeah, as for your explosive num- explosiveness numbers, there's actually some weird stuff going on in the ISO PPP in this game, which is really, really bizarre. Okay, so rushing ISO PPP, national average is 0.91, 0.91 points per play. Uh, South Carolina had 1.05 ru- uh, points per play in per rushing um, attempts which is weird because they only rushed for 46 yards and they had a long on the day of, hold on, let me flip over here. Their long for the day was 15. Um, and I think that has to do with the fact that they only had 17 carries on the day. Um, but that's just kind of a weird stat that they had. That's actually uh, their best, like based on national averages, that's their best ICPPP number. 1.4, 1.14 passing, which is well below the national average. Of course, we were worse. And then 0.95 on standard downs, 1.50 on passing downs. So, I mean, I really think the thing that stands out to me is that we we just kept them behind the sticks pretty well. Um, and they were doing a lot of their damage to us when they got into passing situations. And we just seemed to give up the ghost on zone coverage a couple of times, which is an issue, but I think fixable, a, a very fixable one. Most definitely. That seems like a skewed number since they only had 17 carries in the day oh, to have yeah. a point per rush. Yep. Whatever. Yep. It is what it is. I mean, yeah, and, and I, I, it's not something that really concerns me overly much, but I think it's, you know, it's just something to look at. Yeah. I mean, you're going to find outliers. That is, that's all it is. What else we got? 16% that rushing success rate. Yeah, yeah. 16% rushing success rate. That's really awesome. Um, 
only 43 yards rushing. That's also sim- that's like borderline erotic. You know, I mean, this was a game where their best player on offense, Jake Bentley, was what kept them in the game. If you put a replacement level SEC sophomore quarterback in there, if you put Grayson Lambert in there, if you put whoever, um, he's going to lose. Like they're going to, well, they're still going to lose, but they're going to lose by a lot instead of by 14. And uh, he had several plays. I mean, he's a good player. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I'm, I'm not making him look good just because he torched us a little bit. I actually think he's a pretty good player, but ultimately at the end of the day, you know, I was feeling not bad, but I was a little miffed about how well he had torched us. But I mean, he went 21 for 35 for 227 yards, 6.5 yards, average one TD, two interceptions, 57.3 quarterback rating. Um, you know, that's not, that's not great. No, it's not. So I mean I I can live with that if that's going to be the worst if that's going to be the worst of it I can live with that. That's not so bad. Um, let's talk a little bit about. So you talked you touched on the rushing success that they had, which wasn't much at all. They only ran for forty seven yards and had a sixteen percent success rate on rushing plays. Um, I think that had a lot to do with your boyfriend and all of his friends. Um, yes. Report Smith. We combined for a total of ten havoc plays with DeAndre God, Baker that's leading. That's so good. Right. DeAndre Baker led the squad with three total. I have thoughts on that, but like yeah, finish, two, one, finish one your thought. That, that's that's more or less what I wanted to talk about. And our our power rating, talk a little bit about power rating, because we, we showed up with a 100% power rating on this game, looking at, at rushing stats as well. So um, I wanted to know a little bit about that. Power rating or power success rate is, um, is the percentage of runs on third and fourth down, two yards or less to go, that achieve a first down or touchdown. So basically, and that also includes first and goal and second and goal from the two-yard line or closer, but I'm not sure that we had any of those. Basically, what that means is that we were just very successful. We ran that little inside quick handoff to the fullback like three times, and Christian Payne got us the first down, um, like, I think every time. I don't think we ever didn't convert in close, so that's all that means. But... That that is a good sign because in all three of those times there was nothing disguised. We we ran out there and we ran out in like jumbo tight trips left um, with a fullback, and we ran the same play every time and we got two or three yards each time and that's exactly what we needed to do. So, I mean, I, I, it's nothing that I would be like incredibly proud of, but if you put it in, in perspective of our, like our overall our overall power success rate number is 77.1, which is good for 26th in the nation, which is very, very good. I was more excited about the fact that we were 100% and theirs was exactly 0%. So if you replace those numbers with just yes and no, then that would accomplish the same. (laughs) That makes me really, yeah. It's a binary question. (laughs) I mean, if you look at their their rushing stats stuff rate was not very good uh, at all. And then line yards per carry, we had a a staggering 3.25. And, you know, I said this later on, and I guess we can kind of transition into talking about us now, which we've already sort of done. Um, you know, 3.25 yards per carry, that's well above the national average. And it, it's a good sign to me, even though there were some things I'm a little concerned about. And we can talk about those when we take, talk about our takeaways. But, you know, it's a good sign to me that if there was anything bad, if there's anything that's keeping our uh, S&P Plus rank down, it's our offensive efficiency. You know, I mean, to this point in the season, We've had a lot of success getting in third and long and then just being like, all right, Jake, do it. And Jake's just done it every time. You he know, goes, which okay. I, yeah, yeah, which is kind of something I think we take for granted a little bit is just the fact that we're like, hey, Jake, throw for six yards. And he's like, yep, okay, sure. Not, not sure will. <laughs> yeah, got it. No problem. Um, but it was nice this today. You know, we did have, he did have several third downs to complete, but we did seem very efficient on the ground. And we weren't necessarily getting a lot up the middle, but it seems like that we've just adapted. We know we're not going to get a lot up the middle a lot of times, so we're just running outside on people. And, you know, the good news is we have, a, we have an offensive line just athletic enough, and we have five running backs who can 
just shred you on the outside. Oh, yeah. So touching on that Jake Fromm comment, which is really exciting. Jake Fromm was, um, I'm done. I just want to say I'm done downing Jake Fromm. I know I've been kind of skeptical about Jake Fromm, freshman Jake Fromm. Yada, Mm -hmm. yada. There are moments where, sure, he, he, I don't, I don't think he's ever choked per se, but there are moments where he has like just a kind of a glimpse of, oh, this is a child on the, on the field and we need to not treat him with safety hands or safety gloves, but be sweeter to him than normal. But that being said, I'm done talking poorly of Jake from mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Uh, like what you're just saying, like we get in these certain out situations and Jake just says, okay, coach, I'll throw the ball. I mean, we, we ran this little comeback route on the sideline, like four times in a row on third downs. Yeah, exactly. He was um, seven for seven in completed passes and passing downs, which is good for 68 yards. So essentially if we were third and out or just third and 10, by the time third down came around, he just threw the ball. And every time he did that, he mm-hmm. got us 10 yards, essentially. Um, if you're looking at Jake Fromm's uh, yards per attempt, 8.22. But if you take away those six attempts that he didn't complete, he was throwing 12 yards per completion every single time, which is on average, which is pretty fantastic. And um, I like Jake Fromm. <laughs> I, I am on board with Jake Fromm. Mm-hmm. I think he's definitely, he is going to be the next Aaron Murray, he looks like, as a freshman. He looks like Aaron Murray, but he can yeah. run, which we saw too. Yeah. At least a little bit, not a whole yeah, lot. Yeah, a little bit more. There was some scrambling in there from old For Jake. sure. Um, I'm trying to see if there's any other stats I want to point out here. 55, 65% passing success rate. We talked, you know, that ties into what we just said. That's a really, really good number. Um, just for reference, like the average, let's see if we can get the average passing success rate here. Okay. Yeah. The average passing success rate, um, nationally is 40 and he was at 65. So that's really, really, really impressive. Um, it was a very efficient day from him. Just, I mean, when he hit, he didn't throw too overly too many times, but when he did throw, he hit them. And when he hit them, it was for big gains. I also thought it was pretty impressive that we had uh, 3.25 line yards per carry, which is really, really awesome and well above the national average of 2.95 and might not be the highest we've had this year, but I think it's probably the highest we've had against a good team. Um, so that speaks pretty well to what our line's doing. Um, oh, yeah. Let me loop back around to the whole DeAndre Baker thing. Man, DeAndre Baker might be a shutdown corner. He's so good. Yeah, I know. It's weird because he's short and you don't think of him that way, but he just might be. He's just, people just don't throw to his side anymore. And when he does, they just, they don't complete him. No, nothing happens. And it's so insane because we were so worried about cornerbacks and, and that's kind of what like, got us specifically, lit up earlier in the year. Yeah, I know. And like specifically worried about DeAndre Baker. Yeah, but not anymore. DeAndre yep. Baker, he's just killing it. I wanted to talk about um, Roquan Smith. Yeah. If you want to talk about him. Roquan Smith, every single game, I'm so impressed with him every game. He's he's averaging just above almost seven tackles per game, mm-hmm. just solo tackles by himself. And he put up another eight solo tackles to this time around with one and a yeah. half tackles for loss and one and a half sacks, um, one and a half havoc plays, which those all lend to each other, of course. But Roquan Smith is just so good. Okay, so he's here's so good. Here's what's crazy. He had seven. He had nine. He had nine total tackles. He had seven total tackles, right? One and a half sacks, one and a half tackles for loss. The, the one that blows my mind is solo tackles, because if you look, he's got seven. The next closest on the team is Aaron Davis with four. Yeah. The U- UGA only had, what, 25 total? And after four, it's just twos and ones, and then J.R. Reed had three. So it's like he was, you know, a good quarter of our solo tackle production just on his own. And I, he's just so good. He doesn't really do a lot. If you're not looking for it and if you're not an informed watcher of games, he doesn't really do a lot that just like totally blows your mind, but he is, he just cleans up plays. That's, I mean, that's all he does. Like he, he will just run sideline to sideline on you. You cannot run. You will not get the corner on him. You're not going to break contain on him. And if you're up in the middle in the trash, he's going to find you. Like 
you'll notice against this team that we haven't seen a lot of like, okay, uh, running back runs into the pile and comes out the other side and runs for 25 yards. Because when he runs into the pile, what's his face is just, he just gets blown up. I mean, Raquan Smith will just blow whoever it is up. He's incredible. And his stat, like somebody who's been in every snap um, on the defensive side of the ball in regular time, his success rate is very telling um, of just how good of a player he is. 26.5% success rate when he is involved in a play. When yeah. he is tackling, you know, that that's that success rate uh, tells you how successful offenses are when Roquan Smith him. is involved. Yeah. And just for the record, if we look at some other numbers, like uh, Lorenzo Carter, great player, 39%. The only person who has a better success rate than he, uh, they're Davin Bellamy, DeAndre Walker. We're talking about guys that are on the line, yeah. right? I mean, dudes who, you know, by the time they get to you when they're involved on the tackle, like, you, you know, it's not going to be a successful play. But he's coming from five yards behind the line of scrimmage and just blowing these plays up. And it's so funny because it just doesn't look like much when he's doing it. But then you look up and you're like, oh, well, there he is. Another ninth tackle. It's no big deal. <laughs> there he is. Probably he's incredible. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I fully believe that he has won us at least one game this year. Yeah. He has 55 tackles. The next most is J.R. Reed with 35. I'm just, yeah I'm, yeah. I'm blown away every game by Raquan Smith. I hope he has a very fruitful future. Let's get on takeaways. He's going to. So let's... Do you have anything? Do you want to start? On takeaways? Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to talk about... You have a few more than I do, but the one I was going to talk about the most was essentially... Um, I liked this game. It was a good game. We played a, a good game. It was closer than we all hoped, um, which we, we kind of expected it to be. But just not, because it was a good matchup. But not closer than Chapel Bell Curve's official oracle said that we were going to be. <laughs> Our tea leaves said otherwise. Uh, but yeah, like, if you look at the stats, you understand, like, this is a very average game that our offense played which is fine because it was average and all around well played which to me says it was intentional it was very intentional even from the get-go we set the tone that this is everything we're about to do for the next 60 minutes was going to be intentional from that onside kickoff to just the plays we called and the the simplicity of our playbook but we really won this game just because our success rate is more than above average if you Mm -hmm. look at our success rate just down the line it we're a very successful team and just doing what we need to do because we know it works. We don't have to, to have any crazy frills or anything, you know, out of the ordinary to beat an average team. We can just go out there and play football and we'll win. And and I'm happy with that. There is no there's no egos. There's no one player who's winning everything for us like some teams out there. We're just a well-rounded team with a super super good off our defense. Mm-hmm. That's my biggest takeaway is like I'm excited to see what Kirby Smart pulls out for the SEC Championship now that we can say we're going. Yeah, me too. Um you know, I, I, I kind of want to echo what you just said. I, I, I think if you're workmanlike win, where you just kind of scuffle around and win by a little bit less than you should, is by a 14-point win over an SEC to East rival, like, you're in good shape. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't think I, – I have a – I have one other takeaway that's, you know, somewhat negative. But, I you know, I think my biggest takeaway from this was just uh, we've got to play better. But if this was a bad performance for us, then we're fine. You know, if this presages something else, which I don't think it does, just because the numbers look really good, um, then that's a problem. But I think you're right. I think what we did was we got up by we got up by two scores, and then what we started doing was just putting in weird stuff and running it, and whether or not it worked or not, now Auburn has to defend it. We were in an unbalanced line with seven people down at one point in the fourth. At one point in the second, we had nine dudes on the line of scrimmage. Like that's I mean, like not even on the line of scrimmage. We had nine dudes on the line in a three point stats. Like, you know, that's stuff that now Auburn has to account for that as a look. And we weren't even really doing it to be successful, I don't think. I mean, like, we, we ran an off-balance line where on the one hand, on the one side, um, 
I think Jeb Blazevich was the only dude to the left of the center. And then to the right of the center, it was like the two guards, the two tackles, and then another tight end or something. And we ran that and only got seven yards out of it. But that wasn't even really the point, I don't think. You know what I mean? So I and I, I think you're right. I think we are totally prepping. We were prepping for next week, and we knew we could win, and we knew as long as we didn't screw around and kept in the starters, we were going to win comfortably. My only other – I've got two negative takeaways. One would be cover the tight end seam. Good – I can't say the rest of it. But, yeah, we got <laughs> we to learn to cover the tight end seam. And I, yep. I have a feeling – what I saw what I saw was that they were flipping people around and lining them up so that Hayden Hurst got matched up on uh, Aaron Davis. And that's like a really bad matchup. When you have a really big physical corner on Aaron Davis, who is a guy that basically makes his living from just being smart and isn't that physical and isn't going to be that fast, um, it's going to be a huge mismatch. So, yeah, that was, that was pretty horrible. But I was thinking awesome, like – uh, very sarcastic, and I'm not sure that came across. Um, the only other thing is, you know, I think we're going to have to tighten up. We had we got kind of picked apart in zone coverage, and while I don't think the quarterback at Kentucky or Georgia Tech, and I'm not even sure if Jalen Hurts can do this, uh, uh, he probably can. But yeah. I know who definitely, definitely, definitely can is Jarrett Stidham. Jarrett Stidham can pick you apart in zone coverage. We got to get tighter on it, and we have to work harder in man. There were just a couple of times where we got caught looking into the backfield or staring at the wide receiver in man coverage, and we didn't get hurt on him because Jared or uh, Jake, whatever the guy's name was, because they're is it Brentley Bentley? Uh, Bentley Bentley Jake Bentley, Jake. <laughs> Jesus, sorry, it's not important. That's all it is. Yeah, Jake Bentley showed up and or was, I don't know, he was just really good, and he and Stidham is going to also be able to do that. Um, and I think that's really all I got. Other than the fact that I just had like a stroke trying to remember Jake Bentley's name. Ah. Jake Bentley. Ah, Jake I did it. Bentley. I did it. I did it. <laughs> I'm proud of you. I'm proud of me too. Yeah. One thing that I, I intentionally left out during my experience earlier was uh, right before the game started, I got this Facebook message from one of our fans who we actually mentioned, uh, I think it was last week's episode or the week before. I think Nathan called him Mook. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he left a review for us and a rating and it was just beautifully written like seamless elegant piece of work and nathan i think offhandedly said oh man if you want to write ad copy for us you're more than welcome to do so well he took this to heart and he sent us this this beautifully written yeah it's like a fake news piece kind of like a like a parody of a news uh, account about chapel ball curve and uh when since last saturday it's it was pretty awesome i really really like it and we're trying to figure out where to put it and just know that we will put it somewhere um he also recorded a piece that i haven't got a chance to listen to but i'm gonna Probably do that right after we finish recording here, and um, I can give it the old Chapel Bell Curve um, magic editing, whatever I do. But it's pretty hilarious, and we'll figure out something to do with it. And you guys will see it, and or hear it very soon. Yeah, I mean we're gonna we're gonna get it up in front of you somehow because it's really good work, and we're not we're not really sure about the technical side of that, but we're gonna figure it out. I also like he signed it from a guy named Mark Ostrut. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to <laughs> say my name. From a you guy. can just call me West Coast Mark, but yep, also. Mook. Mook. There awesome. you go. I love it. This has been Chapel Bell Curve. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else you can subscribe to a podcast. You can get to you can get in touch with us on Facebook by searching Chapel Bell Curve, by email at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com, and on Twitter and Instagram at Chapel Bell Curve. Go check out our website as well at chapelbellcurve.com. Um, and I'm sure at this point that that phrase chapel bell curve doesn't mean anything to you because it's been so etched into your brain in this outro. But uh, our website is a hub for all of our content. We'll, we'll have MOOCs ad copy up there in some form or fashion. We will have uh, review pieces. We'll have stats, uh, stats, whatever. If you enjoyed today's episode, please, please, please feel free to leave us a review or just send us something nice because 
I mean, God knows my ego couldn't get any bigger. Um, <laughs> and we'll catch you in, on the planes next week. But until then, go, go dogs. dogs.